Hello and welcome to the Why podcast from Think London Business School, in which faculty talk about their research and what it means for you and your business. I'm your host, Cathy Brewis, and for this episode, my guest is Dr. Gary Dusnitsky, an Associate Professor of Strategy and Entrepreneurship at London Business School. Gary's written a paper called How Do Investors Evaluate Past Entrepreneurial Failure? Unpacking Failure Due to Lack of Skill versus Bad Luck, which he co-wrote with Diego Zunino of Schema Business School and Miriam van Prague of Copenhagen Business School. I'm really interested in the subject of failure, and especially in business, where sometimes you, you get these overnight success stories of people who suddenly have an incredibly successful venture. But often what, what doesn't make the press headlines is the fact that they have several failures behind them from which they've learned. Is it time to reassess failure altogether? I was keen to find out more about Gary's research and especially what he thought about how we should look at these different ventures that fail and succeed and what that really tells us. Gary, hello. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, So first of all, I'd love to ask you what your motivation was behind this paper. Why did you want to do this? Thank you very much, Cathy. It's really a pleasure to uh, discuss uh, our work on how do investors evaluate past entrepreneurial failure. This has been a labor of love by myself and my co-authors, Diego Zunino and Miriam van Prague. Uh, It's a project we've worked on for a couple of years, and I'm I'm very pleased to uh, share our findings and approach um, with you and and the podcast listeners. There's two um, motivations behind it. One, are a couple of uh, stories, one of them even even closer to home. Uh, and then there's a kind of the broader context against which uh, these two place. So, so if I start off with the um, more immediate story, um, uh, one of my contacts, a person I know well, um, has uh, started a business uh, that uh, was a technology business. Uh, he co-founded it with a partner who was well qualified to do that. Within a few months of uh, launching the business, um, they realized that uh, the co-founder is uh, seriously uh, ill um, um, and he needed to basically leave the business in order to um, uh, tend to their uh, health. Uh, as a result of that, they had to fold the, the business simply because the technology person was no, no longer able to uh, be part of it. Um, they closed the business. When uh, my contact um, then went on to to launch another business, uh, some investors uh, actually said, you know what, you've launched another business. What happened with that? Oh, you closed it. It was a failure. Uh Aha. We we might not be interested in investing in you. And and for me, this was a very um, um, strong experience because um, when you understand what happened there, there was no failure. There was no lack of... uh, entrepreneurial skill or, or mistakes. Uh, it was really a case of misfortune, um, significant misfortune that led to the closure for, of the first uh, venture, but had a serious implications to um, my contact's ability to raise uh, funds for the follow-on venture. The reason that I think this is a very telling story is that he ultimately was able to get the funds and build a company that is now a unicorn. And you can only imagine what the implications are for entrepreneurs and as well as for investors who uh, effectively left money on the table um, by not investing in the venture because they misunderstood what failure actually means. When I started looking at that story, I saw that there are many stories like that. There's, uh, there's a company in the US, uh, which we mentioned uh, in our um, article, it's called Blue Smart. And if you are a, a business traveler, you might have even used them. 
basically it's a smart carry-on. Uh, what would you expect from a smart carry-on? Well, you know, it can charge your phone. It has a GPS to tell you where it is. It has an access control system. Uh, it has all the good stuff that you would expect. Uh, it was launched as a Kickstarter campaign. It ended up raising $27 million. And it was a huge success. A huge success until um, the Federal Aviation Agency in the U.S. introduced a ban, um, which basically meant following uh, some um, alerts, terror, uh, terror alerts, um, that nobody can uh, take large batteries on board planes. Now, if you have a smart blue luggage that, that has a large battery in it, you cannot take it on. As you can imagine, that was uh, very detrimental to the business. Uh, people want to take their carry-on and carry it on the plane. Uh, and within a couple of months, the business shut down. And again, is this a case of uh, entrepreneurial mistakes or is that um, a case of misfortune? And there are many, many examples like that, which, if you allow me, takes me to um, or the, or the, or the kind of broader motivation for this study. When we look at the world around us, uh, three observations come to mind. Uh, the first one is that many uh, people are engaged in entrepreneurship. The second one is that um, most entrepreneurial ventures fail. Um, and then the third one is that increasingly um, we see people engage in different episodes of uh, work and, and life experiences. Um, two of our colleagues, um, Andrew Scott and Ida Grandin, have written a book about a 100-year life, which makes the case that people engage in different type of activities throughout their life. Um, what that means is that uh, people might have more than just one episode uh, at entrepreneurship. Now, if you take all of these three observations together, you realize that there are many people who attempt entrepreneurship where their previous entrepreneurial um, attempt was a failure. And the question that loomed large in my mind is, what does that mean for the ability to win critical resources, for example, funding, to grow that second business? So a slightly longer motivation, but as you can see, it was both from very um, hands-on experiences that I've either witnessed or read about, as well as the kind of the broader trends that we see in the world around us. That's just interesting because when people look at entrepreneurial failure, we're so obsessed with entrepreneurs as characters. You know, everyone kind of secretly wants to be an entrepreneur, maybe. And so when something goes wrong, people do look very much, you know, pin the blame on the people so I can see why it's really interesting you wanting to sort of unpack this and look at the different factors that could go into failure and and then how that affects um, you know f future investment that they can get um, so you um, you went about designing the, an experiment to, to look into this can you describe that for us of course, with pleasure. And, and if you allow me, I'll, I'll maybe pick on, on the point that you made um, a second ago, because that, that is kind of critical and, and, and kind of drives a, a lot of our thinking here. Uh, when we think about uh, success and failure, we often tend to think about one as the flip of the other. Uh, and, and you made that case very vividly a second ago. Uh, and in a way, in our study, we say, hold on, pause. And one of the key motivation, intellectual motivation, uh, for studies that uh, failure is not a mere image of success. When we think about what underlies any entrepreneurial outcome, it's important to understand that there are actually not one, but two factors in place. The first one is skill. 
entrepreneurial skill. To what extent is the individual able, equipped, has the high human capital in order to affect that change, to build that product, to deliver that solution? But there's another uh, important element which comes across, I think, very vividly in the examples I gave earlier, which is luck. Everything that is outside the person's control but can have important impact on your outcome. And so in the case of the first example I gave is what happens if your co-founder and the technical lead uh, falls seriously ill? In the case of BlueSmart, what happens if the FAA um, introduces a national ban on the product that you are uh, selling? These are uh, arguably um, factors that are outside the founder's control, but do carry uh, detrimental impact to the business. And this is the reason, if you wish, why success and failure are not the same. And, and if, if you allow me a second more, um, we are talking uh, from a business school here and a business school couldn't do without a two by two. And so think about uh, two by twos where on, uh, in terms of the rows, you're thinking about whether somebody experienced good luck or bad luck. And think about the uh, columns as whether one has a, a relevant skill or not. To experience success, you need to both have the skill and have uh, luck in a way. But failure may arise either because you lack skill or because you experienced misfortune, bad luck, or maybe because of both. What that tells us is that failure is not a negative indicator of skill, it is a noisy indicator of skill. And in order for investors and anyone to truly interpret what does failure mean, past failure mean, we need to learn a little bit more about the root causes. So that in a way is, is, is the logic on the intellectual uh, structure that drives our, way, our analysis. We often observe whether the entrepreneur has previously succeeded or failed, but while previous success implies that that person must be skilled, previous failure need not imply that they lack skill. It's a noisy signal. Yeah, that, that's so interesting. Actually, you know, as you're talking, it occurs to me that even the word failure almost has some kind of moral um, sense to it, don't we? That it's, you know, it always seems so personal and it's almost like we need a new word for it, really, because it's, if you're saying, uh, you know, this is just part of any entrepreneur's journey that they're going. This is going to happen. It's, there is nothing bad about it, basically, is there? It's exactly um, it's exactly right, and and it's this um, discomfort. It's that meaning of what failure uh, implies that uh, led us to um, ultimately. Uh, once we understood that this is an important topic to our study, and once we were armed with that insight that failure is uh, is a noisy signal rather than a negative signal. We needed to uh, to go ahead and test that, uh, but it's exactly that point you've mentioned: how people might perceive either for themselves or others what failure implies. It was for that reason that we um, decided that uh, an experiment might be the best way to go, and we we do have um, a lot of data data about entrepreneurs and about the fundraising efforts and so on and so forth. But the key challenge uh, for using secondary data uh, has to do exactly with this issue of people uh, might treat failure, uh, their own or others, 
in uh, different ways. One of the key concerns that we had was that it could be that people who are highly skilled understand why they failed. And because of that, they are not wary to disclose the fact that they've had a previous venture which has failed. At the same time, people who might not have significant uh, entrepreneurial skill might decide not to disclose the fact that they had previous venture which has failed. For us, if we were to then take that data, we would be risking um, um, uh, bias in our analysis because we would only observe failure in the case of the high-skilled individuals because that's how the data was reported. And for those reasons, as well as a couple of other reasons that are discussed in the paper, we decided that the only way we can truly test this issue is by uh, following what's called a um, online field-framed experiment, uh, which is a, an approach that has been uh, introduced uh, two decades ago by um, um, John List and, and others. And the idea is to create a situation that an experiment that is as close uh, to real life uh, but allows us to actually control uh, the various elements, uh, specifically the information that the investors are facing. Yeah, great. Um, so you set out to design this experiment very carefully to be able to um, control um, different factors so that you could see more sort of purely what you're actually trying to demonstrate. Um, so tell me exactly what you did and how you went about it. Excellent. And so the first thing is we needed to, to decide on the context of what this kind of um, um, framed in field uh, experiment would look like. And we have uh, soon or very fast mm -hmm. uh, gravitated towards um, an experiment that mimics a crowdfunding opportunity. Uh, I think that by now crowdfunding doesn't require much uh, introduction. Uh, what we have followed is basically an equity crowdfunding opportunity. Um, for those of you um, who might be less familiar with crowdfunding, just as a quick one, it's a platform where entrepreneurs can list their opportunities in pursuit of funding and crowdfunders invest in those uh, opportunities in return for an equity stake, an actual equity stake in those companies. Uh, crowdfunding became extremely popular. We have uh, crowdfunding platforms in the US and UK that dispersed over billions of uh, dollars by now. Um, uh, some stats suggest that over a, a quarter of all the unicorns in the UK have raised equity crowdfunding. And we, we decided to use this as a context. What we've done then is we've actually identified an actual um, uh, project that ran on a crowdfunding um, platform. Uh, we have used that um, uh, structure, if you wish. We've anonymized the data mm -hmm. and we've basically uh, presented that investment opportunity to um, several hundred um, um, respondents, uh, prospective investors, if you wish, uh, uh, while manipulating a couple of um, key elements. Um, one key element that we manipulated was whether that um, founder, the founder of that um, particular business, whether the previous venture was a success or a failure. And separately, we've manipulated whether there's also additional information about that person's entrepreneurial skill. Um, the way we have done that latter point 
um, the manipulation of whether that person has an entrepreneurial skill or not is by introducing text, text uh, that suggests that, uh, not suggests that, uh, states that the founder was named on the Forbes 30 under 30 promising individuals. What's nice about this particular queue is that it is observable. Uh, the Forbes 30 under 30 list is, is widely available and people can, can read it. And it's also credible. Uh, it's a well-respected uh, third party, Forbes, that uh, assigns um, individuals into those lists. Um, and what we've done is we've then um, asked ourselves to what extent do our prospective investors invest differently as a function of these two manipulations, whether the previous uh, venture was a success and a failure, and whether there was also additional information about entrepreneurial skill. So how close is this to, you know, what would happen in real life? So that's actually very close. And in one of the things that we have done is we have um, very carefully um, looked at what are the kind of information that the people provide and where and when do they provide it. Um, in, in the template that we followed in the opportunity that uh, we've portrayed to people, uh, it follows a structure that uh, that crowdfunding platform uh, utilizes, which has three chapters or segments to it. Um, the first one talks about the opportunity. Uh, the second one talks about the founding team. And the third one is a Q&A where crowdfunder, prospective crowdfunders can ask questions. What we have done is we have monitored many of these um, uh, Q&A sessions and we introduced our manipulation through those Q&A. We basically mimicked questions that ask um, where you, did you have any entrepreneurial experience and what was the outcome of it? Um, as well as what do you, um, you know, what do you bring to the table? Um, and we've crafted those two um, manipulations based on what we've seen reported on crowdfunding platforms. If, if, if you allow me maybe to highlight some of the other things that we have done, uh, what I'm describing right now is one experiment. We've also done two other experiments as part of this um, uh, overall uh, study where we changed the nature of the second manipulation. And I can go into that in detail, but let me pause for now. Um, and what sort of scale um, was this carried out on? How many people took part? So we've recruited um, several hundred uh, people um, through a platform that is a respondent platform that has been a widely used uh, by academics. And we have had certain criteria where we ask those respondents to adhere to, such as having an investment experience, having um, some uh, level of uh, education and income, suggesting that they uh, look uh, similar, if you wish, mm -hmm. to uh, people who would participate on a crowdfunding platform. And in fact, when we then look at the results, we see that average investment amounts tend to actually be very similar to the average investment amounts we see on existing platforms uh, these days. Great. Um, so I think we might not quite have time to go into all the detail of the other two experiments, um, but obviously there'll be a link to the paper at the end for anyone who does want to really delve into that. I'm curious to know what you were expecting to find out and whether when you started analysing the results, it was as you'd expected. 
So this was this was uh, the the exciting part. The, I don't know to call it nerve wracking, but the, but really the, the exciting part. Um, we had uh, three uh, predictions that uh, fall into two different views of how people behave, how investors behave. On the one hand, you can imagine a world where um, investors are rational. They understand that failure might be either due to mistakes, the lack of entrepreneurial skills, or due to misfortune. Um, third, you know, um, macro uh, events that have nothing to do with the founder. And if that is the case, we would expect investors that in the presence of a Forbes 30 under 30 indicator of skill, they would invest irrespectively of whether that um, person previously failed or not. There's a, a credible cue that this person is highly skilled. And yes, maybe the previous venture was not successful, potentially because of some uh, misfortune, but that, um, but that should not sway me away from investing. And our prediction there were as follows. First, all else being equal, investors will invest more in founders that have previously succeeded than fail. But, and that's the critical but, in the presence of the Forbes 30 under 30 um, signal, that gap will uh, substantially um, um, close. So what we care about is whether the founder is skilled, and now that we have this additional information, the founder is skilled, we'll go ahead with the investment. That would be one set of predictions. The other set of predictions would be that investors are so concerned with a person who failed that even in the presence of information that this person is highly skilled, they will forego an investment might want to argue they would leave money on the table. Um, and we articulated those uh, different uh, predictions, and we then started crunching the data. What we found out is that uh, our um, prospective investors seems to uh, exhibit a, what would be a more rational approach, if you wish. Uh, they have incorporated all the information available to them, and to the extent that there was information about that person's skill, i.e. they were named as part of the Forbes 30 under 30, uh, they would go ahead with an investment even uh, if uh, the person was uh, part of a, a venture that they finally uh, failed. We talked about this idea that you know people who failed, um, people almost get stigmatized in a way for, for having had failed ventures regardless of the, the reasons around them. Indeed. And, and so one of the, one of the main um, uh, question marks uh, that we were facing is, what would we see in the, in the data? Do investors seem to fundamentally focus only on whether the previous venture was a success or a failure? Or would they take in any additional information that's available, for example, uh, evidence of uh, skill uh, by being named into the exclusive Forbes 30 under 30? Um, our findings suggest that investors behave rationally. They take in all available information, both of uh, information about the previous success and failure, but also information about uh, skill. Uh, that, is, that is quite um, reassuring and suggests that investors do not simply shy away from anyone who have previously failed, whether their failure was due to misfortune or mistake. So that's quite good news for anyone trying to get investment? It definitely carries important implications. 
one of the things that uh, it suggests is that um, investors um, take in that kind of information. Uh, they are less likely to leave money on the table. They are less likely to categorically shy away from anyone who has uh, previously failed, and rather they would like to uh, or they would consider those uh, where um, there's also evidence of skill. The implications for entrepreneurs are that they should not um, forego their next venture just because the first one failed. To the extent that they can demonstrate their skill, to the extent that they can uh, bring other indicators, uh, credible indicators that they are uh, well-equipped uh, and talented to pursue this uh, venture, uh, they might be able to uh, raise funding. I think there's also implications, broader implications, if you wish, either to um, crowdfunding platforms or policymakers that um, investors pay attention to um, um, information about skill. Um, as our study suggests, they specifically pay attention to information that is credible, uh, that comes from trusted third parties. And what that maybe suggests is that crowdfunding platforms should particularly highlight that kind of information. Maybe policymakers should um, um, create structures or programs that uh, can provide that information so that when people engage in the second, third, fourth episode of Entrepreneurial Venture, the information that will be available for investors to assess is not just whether the previous one failed or not, but also whether there is a credible information about that person's underlying entrepreneurial skill. And uh, what other takeaways are there from all of this for our audience, for for investors and also for entrepreneurs? For entrepreneurs, the implication is that they should not shy away from um, sharing the experiences of their uh, previous ventures, even if those ventures were uh, a failure. What they should do is they should highlight any clear signals of talent, any clear signals of entrepreneurial skills. Um, and the one and the one maybe a caveat or the one point to highlight is that those signals should be credible signals. If you stand out there and say, I believe I'm highly talented, at least according to our finding, uh, this is a study too that we might have not uh, gotten into uh, in depth, um, that is not enough. What you want is uh, a well-respected third party, such as, say, Forbes, the Forbes 30 and the 30 list. Uh, we can discuss uh, some others uh, that will attest to your skill and will help investors um, assess the previous failure uh, in the context of um, this information. That would be uh, one implication for uh, the entrepreneur. For investors... It also guides their attention in terms of what information to look, what questions to ask, and how to avoid, if you wish, leaving money on the table. Not every person who has previously failed, failed because of their mistakes, because they lack entrepreneurial skill. Some might have failed simply due to misfortune, bad luck. And if you forego those investment opportunities, you might be leaving money on the table. Yes, and I think the way that you've you've put this is um, to succeed, you need skill and luck, but to fail, you only need not to have one of those things. That is exactly that. If you wish, that is the soundbite, that is the tweet uh, version of this uh, uh, study. Uh, 
failure is not a negative indicator of uh, skill, it's a noisy indicator of skill. And it's incumbent upon one to do a little bit more investigation, a little bit more digging. Could there be information suggesting that this person is actually talented, skilled? And if that is the case, uh, you should, one should uh, look beyond the failure and uh, consider uh, pursuing an investment. And for the entrepreneur, you mentioned uh, Linda Grattan and Andrew Scott's book, The 100 Year Life. Um, something about seeing episodes of failure as being, you know, part of this lifelong journey of um, ups and downs that are probably inevitable. Indeed, indeed. And so we expect to engage in different episodes in our lives. Uh, We are more and more likely uh, that those episodes will be uh, entrepreneurial ones. And some people might might shy away. They say, oh, no, I have failed in the past. And that might stigmatize me. That might mean that I will no longer be able uh, to um, obtain the resources necessary to develop another fund. At least according to our funding, uh, to our finding, um, the, the issue is not as stark. And to the extent that uh, there are uh, independent, credible um, cues, signals uh, to showcase your personal skill then um, investors will most likely look beyond just the outcome of the previous venture and will assess you, your merits, um, and and, and more likely to support your next episode. And so that is is, uh, quite reassuring, especially in a world where many people don't just engage in entrepreneurship once, but might engage in it twice, three times, maybe more. And, and, And that kind of um, framing or understanding uh, the outcomes of the previous attempts becomes very important. Yeah, great. So if at first you don't succeed, keep trying, but also make sure you have these very credible signals about how capable you are. Indeed, that is the case. Well, thanks very much, Gary. It's been um, really great hearing all about your research today. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure sharing this uh, with you. The Why podcast is brought to you by the editorial team at Think at London Business School. Follow us here for more episodes on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. And for more faculty research insights, go to london.edu forward slash think. You can also sign up there for our free regular email newsletter to get tips, tools and news for our alumni direct to your inbox. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.